Hello and welcome to the Xenothesis podcast. In this episode, episode 57, we're covering chapters 7, 8, and 9 from part 1, Metamorphosis, of book 3, Imago, of the Xenogenesis trilogy by Octavia E. Butler. My name is Richard Acton, and I am joined, as always, in this uh, uh, resistor-infested forest by my co-host. Michael Glinka. Hi, everyone. I mean, honestly, I admire you that you remember the correct numbering each time you say the episode. It's like 789, part one, book three. <laughs> yeah, you gotta, uh, at some point, we should just leave my wind up to that in, in the recording, right? <laughs> <laughs> yes. People know that I figure out what I'm supposed to say before it is that I actually say that with Absolutely. a you know, smooth intro voice. <laughs> <laughs> No, but honestly, like uh, it's it, we've been doing this for a while, and it's still every time we need to like, oh, is this the, which episode? Okay, which chapters? Ah, oh, okay, okay, and then which part are we on? Oh, okay, okay, that's that's <laughs> mm, <clears throat> the build up is always fun. No, <laughs> uh, not too much pre-show, but you know, a little bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, um, it's today we're doing three chapters because it's they're relatively short in their uh, size, so they're relatively short, so we will cover all of them, and since it's end of the part one, so we thought there would be no point of uh, just leaving yeah. one tiny let's chapter us. just to, just like that, so we can even discuss the whole part, you know. Yeah, let's let's just wrap that up, plus it avoids the, the, the bug in the tool I made for doing the thumbnails that doesn't let me span parts. <laughs> <laughs> Uh-oh. Okay, well then, shall we start with my chapter seven predictions? Yeah, yeah, let's get into it. Um, so, I, my quite uh, brilliant mind, thought that there will be some danger from resistors, maybe danger mm-hmm. from Jodas, but mm-hmm. I didn't know which one will strike first. Right? I thought maybe something. You know, I thought the last time I simultaneously said that, or maybe you know, when things go bad. Everything has to mm. go bad, knowing Octavia Butler. So, like, okay. not only the resistor attacking, but Jodak screwing something up badly so bad that Nikanj can't take his mind off those things, and it's just you know compilation of stuff. Um, mm. Okay. Well, I mean, we didn't, we got some danger from the resistors. Jodak's not less not so, so much, yeah. Um, but yeah, it was a re- reasonably action-packed uh, little section, though. Quite a lot of uh, yeah, quite a lot of stuff goes down. To be honest, it's literally one day out of the village and they're already in trouble. So, um, mm. yeah, sounds like it's going to be a fun journey for uh, for all of them later on. <laughs> yeah, I might have to pick a more uh, remote place to be exiled to. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, let's, uh, get, let's get to chapter 7 summary then. Mm. Um, so yeah, so the chapter begins with the group arriving late to... Well, I initially thought arriving late to the island. Now I wrote the notes, but then I actually, it's not. They only just went like, it was like a one day out of law. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Hmm. They didn't actually get to the island, did they? They were yeah. just going around this yeah. uh, Pasquale place to get there. Hmm. They were supposed yeah. to get, it was, it was supposed to take them three days, but because of the village called, uh, there is a village called Pasquale, um, it would have taken five days to, to, to go around it. And, um, you know, and those people from that village particularly probably were the reason why uh, the people were responsible for the destruction of Lilith's garden. Hmm. Interestingly, Ward uh, has try- is trying to fix my uh, warding, Lilith's garden, as Lilith's garden, ca- garden from capital. 
It's a phrase, uh-huh. apparently, already in the dictionary, Lilith's garden. Huh, okay. What's it mean? <laughs> I don't know. I think it has to be something biblical, you know, or maybe um, common, but whatever it is, I was like, oh, okay, that's interesting. Hmm. Uh, odd. Yeah. But anyway, mm. um, the group never expected to be attacked because, I mean, the resistors used to know better, right? Because if they did attack, they would have ended up on the mothership, drugged and experimented on or preserved for future Uloi as a training material. Um, mm. But all things were in the past. You know, nowadays resistors were going crazy. Yes, it's it's uh, again we kind of have this like uh, more Owen Carly perspective on the whole like you know drugging, imprisoning, and experimenting on yeah. <laughs> the humans. <laughs> right. You know, we usually see that kind of like downplayed for our human characters by the Owen Carly. Right, they're, they're normally kind of trying to put a spin on it and yeah. by you know omitting certain details. But here we're getting a fairly candid version from like Jodas's inner monologue. Exactly. This is interesting because when Chitaya, um when I first, you know, in book one, Lilith and Chitaya mm. were talking, I remember that, you know, what happened, she, she asked him about the whole idea of like what happens to the humans. They were like, yeah, they're on, in the stasis and like those that were, you know, fighting or whatever, they're just going to be in status forever type of thing. Mm. <clears throat> but uh, it seems here that... Uh, no, it's not just uh, status. You know, obviously, they will be uh, experimented on and you know their genetic material preserved just in case and stuff like that. Yeah, it seems like the in-stasis is uh, a bit euphemistic. I mean, they, yeah. they are in-stasis, but uh, also having other things done at the same time. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And I think, actually, it, I, I've been noticing that we, I think we may have a, a slightly closer first-person perspective Yes, on on Jordas than we have had on our previous protagonists. Yes, there's a lot more use of I. I um, yeah, absolutely. And a bit more of the internal, yeah, which I think is an interesting progression, right? Because we've kind of uh, we had a a more distant, more outsider's perspective on the Oankali from the beginning of the three books, and even in just the the degree to which we're going you know, to closely hewing to a particular protagonist's internal perspective is gradually ramping in a particular direction towards yeah. more on Carly perspective Absolutely. throughout this like arc of three books which is it's really subtle but it's uh it's really uh and it's it's i think it's impressive as, as a writing uh tactic right because you, you wouldn't even necessarily notice it on a on a first uh pass but uh, yeah, you get closer and closer to the Oankali perspective as you move through this whole trilogy. That's, oh, absolutely, absolutely. You're absolutely yeah. right. Because I've also noticed that that uh, in this book, we there's a lot of, uh, you know, perspective, uh, you know, Jodas uh, perspective. I don't want to be fair. Because we read the book in the way that, you know, every chapter I read maybe once, uh, like two chapters once a week and then make no, uh, once hmm. per, per two weeks. So it's hard to remember now. But hmm. I, you're right. I think even from Akin's perspective, we didn't have that much... Of his personal view, it was mostly like the you know the description of the village of Phoenix and whatsoever, but um and whatever area he was in, but it mostly was from third perspective, from the narrator's perspective. Here, on the yeah. other hand, as you said, it's from Joda's perspective, as even the narration. It's always been kind of a sort of a, a close, but still a almost like a third party, a third person omniscient kind yeah. of yeah. viewpoint. But yeah, now, now we've really pulled in a bit tighter. Although even when it was uh, third-person omniscient, it was still kind of 
it hewed quite closely in in the narration to what the character we were focused on knew about yes. things. So it was, yeah, it, it wasn't quite completely, uh, uh, you know, third part, third person omniscient in the I sense just, that we didn't get stuff from. Yeah, the I just imagine it. Um, yeah. I just imagine it like to be as a perspective from like character game character, right? From third perspective, mm. right? You're still yeah. focused on the character. You still see what they see. But mm-hmm. it's still a bit detached. Whereas now You're we no literally are, the head. yeah, mm-hmm. like over the head, mm-hmm. yes, uh, view. Whereas in here we have basically, you know, through Joda's eyes and his mm-hmm. sort of feelings towards those, um, um, well, his experiences and um, feelings. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so as the group was making the camp, the can't call Jodas to observe and learn as he's checking its body for any changes. Jodas kept making cancer cells, so Nikanj left some for it to modify them back to normal, but Jodas simply killed them to prevent anything happening to its own body. It was too scared it would reprogram those cells again. Um, so we still have... Inter- it's interesting because Jodas it is le- he's learning still, um, mm. but there is this panic moment in him. I, I can understand, like, you know, if, if you can create something that can literally kill you, it's better mm-hmm. just to hunt it down, remove it, and then just forget about it. Yeah, so he's, he's managing to identify them, but but not yet sort of to uh, correct them through means other than just kill them off. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. And there's kind of a... We, we get this theme back again here in, you know, the focusing on his ability to perceive what's going in mm-hmm. on in individual cells and control some of that the sort of uh, you know conscious control of of your individual biology and awareness of the, we've mentioned it a lot before but uh, you know it's just uh, it, it gets a bit more acute and explicit in, yep. in an Uloi character yeah i i think uh, as we talked about this before the fact that you know we have Octavia was waiting for to mix the human perspective and non-cali perspective to allow the humans to understand and mm. this is, and and then Ulo is probably the most onkali and also the most human, you know, part mm-hmm. combined. Like so, that's why we have the most, you know, vivid description of what an onkali is. Mm. Yeah, so in, in Akin, we kind of had the uh, the perspective of the the resistors in some sense, but but with enough onkali that the, he could, you know, communicate with the rest of the onkali. And now we have a. a an, an Uloi perspective with enough uh, human that there can be some communication there as yep. well. So it's a, it'd be interesting to see what uh, what comes of uh, uh, what uh, uh, Jodas yep. has to say. Yeah. So as they were finished the lesson, they heard screams. Um, first night in the camp and problems have already found them. They heard a female scream, but it sounded fake at first to become more real mixed with curses and begging afterwards. The woman who made those sounds was being heard by other men, so Nikanj, Dichan, and Arches went after her. The rest of the group went back into the thick forest to protect themselves from the humans. Jodas could smell nine men, all approaching closer. Livlif repeated what Nikanj said. Do nothing unless they come after us. If they come, run. If they catch you, kill. But this time it was more of a cry out of fear for the children, not cry of pain like Nikanj's. Um, Lilith and Tino, Tino knew that these resistors would not run away from them, so they needed to be quiet and hide. The resistors came to the camp and tried to destroy it, but the hammock made from the law would not burn, 
so they burned the trees that they were that the hammocks were attached to. They also stole Lilith's tea and Tino's pack. Then as the fire was spreading and no one was coming out, the resistance left the camp. It's interesting how frustrating must have it been, like, oh, there's a hammock, let's set it on fire, it's not burning. <laughs> it's like that story, it's literally like the story of the, when the pro-Brexiteers were trying to burn the European flags, but the European flags by the European uh, uh, ruling have to be out of materials that are fireproof. So, <laughs> so I literally, the moment I saw this scene, I literally imagined That's an that, interesting parallel. <laughs> so I just imagined that literally that piece of news in my mind. I was like, oh my God, that must have been funny mm -hmm. to watch and also like infuriating for them. Uh, yeah, okay. <laughs> but yeah, the, the low cloth being uh, like fire retardant is just another, you know, interesting feature. <laughs> yep. Nope. As the Oankame technology is, uh, uh, you know, always throwing in a curveball. It's just, it's really funny. I wonder what material sort of they made it out. It has to be enough, strong enough, obviously. I mean, cotton is known to be fire resistant. Although if fire is, mm -hmm. if it's, um, temperature is high enough, it will sort of melt, burn. Like, I think it's that the fibers will actually melt mm -hmm. more like, um, so I wonder what exactly did they use to um, uh, what sort of nat naturally occurring material that would uh, not burn? I mean, they could probably synthesize all kinds of funky organic uh, molecules that uh, might have fire retardant properties uh, to mix in there if they were uh, interested in doing so. I, 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 I don't know. I wouldn't really... I was just thinking uh, about maybe something like chitin or something that's, you know... Uh, mm -hmm. you, you know, not that I ever done this for everyone's information, but I think if you try to burn a beetle, I don't think you would be able to. You could obviously cook them inside, but this, their, their, their shell would not burn. So, but I'm just saying, I've never done that. Just clarifying. <laughs> just out there saying uh, that out there. What have you been up to, Michael? <laughs> I honestly never done that. I'm not a monster. Uh. Yeah. Um, hmm. Yeah, I've never really speculated about the material science on that one. I don't know much about flame retardants, so I know. I, I don't know. I'll have to look it up. <laughs> yeah, we need to study up more about the flame retardant materials in nature. Um, but yeah. But anyway, seemingly, as um, Don Kali parents were coming back, uh, everyone thought they were safe, right? The humans have got uh, are gone and. Uh, in the forest they've done what they wanted to and as Joda stepped into the open in front of everyone he immediately got, it immediately got shot twice in the left shoulder and lower back and then the third shot hit it right through the chest um it's when Kali Parnes immediately went after the humans and Jodas could feel that they are spreading the humans were spreading knowing that the three on Kali can't go after all nine men um Nikanj and Dichan eventually caught one each and Ah just caught two each of those mm. had fired their rifles. They were being held by people they feared most. They struggled desperately. One of them wept and cursed and stank more than the others. This was one. This one was uh, of those held by Arches. I think the guy pooped himself, basically. What what it's uh, indicates stank more than others. Yeah, than sounds like it. Brown pants, basically. <laughs> to be honest, mm. if I you know two and a bit meter tall on Kali came in after you, like, I would also mm -hmm. um, brown my pants. 
like you know knowing no, well that seems likely no knowing well that you know uh <laughs> you don't know who that might be but luckily for them it was you know sweet lovely actors but nonetheless mm. yeah now so we get to, yeah this is probably one of the more action heavy sequences in the it is uh, we've had so far right so yeah. we've got our main character being shot three times in the chest um although it, it's it's a new loy, so it seems to be perfectly fine that's the thing right and normally like <laughs> uh, you'd be shot in the uh, shoulder and the lower back you would be out for a dead throat shot through the chest mm, i don't know if he would survive that but hey I mean, people have have survived that many things, but yeah, it depends exactly what gets hit on the way through. That's the yes, that's the thing. Like, you know, yeah. if you're lucky and it's just like, I don't know, a bit of intestine, maybe you'll be fine if it's puncture mm, line. I mean, the, the, the intestine's not great, though, for peritonitis and the likes, right? It's, uh, yeah, I know you'd have to do a lot of yeah. cleaning. But mm. to be honest, I'd rather be shot through a stomach than, like, than, you know, a pancreas or liver, because I know those two would hurt as hell, and then one pancreas is very important uh mm. to liver would bleed like hell if you get punctured lung that's you know that's you lose air you can't breathe uh mm-hmm. literally and yeah. obviously i'm not talking about heart because heart would literally you know sayonara kiddo yeah but i suppose it depends whether or not you're uh, anticipating receiving some medical assistance <laughs> yeah unless you know like i'm in front of a hospital I, even then, I would not want to be shot in any form or way, you know. Mm-hmm. But uh, more along the lines of, uh, if if I'd rather go out quick, a gut shot's not the way to go. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> if yeah, that, that's that's the thing, right? You no. Know. Mm-hmm. But yeah, and on that lovely topic, let's move on. Um, <laughs> as they came back, the can't touched each of their neck and put them put them the men and put them in comatose state so they can't fight. Jodas, in the meantime, expelled the two bullets that hadn't gone all the way through its body and slowly started healing when he can't check, went to check on it. Luckily, Jodas learned enough not to need to any more help in healing itself. No one else was hurt, except for the human woman that was, recent, uh, was rescued by Don Kali parents. She smelled of pain and sex, meaning that the men must have forced themselves on her. I just went to speak to one of the men and asked them why they are attacked, and here's a bit from the book. You were coming to raid us, the male said. One of our hunters saw you and warned us. We would not have attacked you, Arches protested. We've never done such a thing. Yes, we were warned. A gang of Onkali and Havankali coming to take revenge for the garden. Did you destroy the garden? Some of us did. Not me. That was true. People dragged the way he, uh, dragged the way he wa- was did not bother to lie. It did not occur to them. We thought your animals shouldn't have real human food. Animals? Those. He waved his hand towards Lilith and Tino. And basically, the chapter ends with everyone feeling disgusted, you know, with the men and just sort of moving away from them and just feeling basically bad for even encountering them. Uh, So as as we said last week, the resistors that seem to be left here are kind of the ones that are in the worst state. Oh, yeah. uh, Absolutely. Sociologically and psychologically. We've got a bunch of people that are gang raping this woman it basically it seems to be what's occurred here yeah and uh yeah shooting at the owen carly who they know that's gonna basically what their end result is going to be basically yeah. don carly just dropping on them like you know there's no tomorrow they will not even wake up and they'll be already mm. on the ship and there's there's, there's no 
There's no precedent for the Oankali raiding a village in retaliation, right? That's just not the way they work exactly. psychologically. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, okay. Mm. No. So, yeah, the the ones that are left down here are, are clearly trouble. <laughs> yeah. So that was sort of, like, predicted, right? We, we sort of thought that this is seriously, like, those that want to escape on Mars know they have mm. a chance. And the ones that, the, that is going to be left behind are the as I call them, creme de la creme of the of human population, <laughs> basically. Yes, as the um, increased extremism through evaporative cooling effect, right? Yeah. It's the uh, the um, like with um, cults and the like, where they have some prediction. Uh, I think it was the, the one of the sort of canonical examples here is like the Heaven's Gate cult, where oh, they yeah. were expecting a uh, you know a, like a, a a ship to fly by and they didn't see it, and um, and they were expecting to you know get taken off the planet, but a bunch a bunch of the people kind of you know left after the prediction failed, <laughs> but the ones that remained were willing to believe even in the absence of any proof and in the absence of you know some fairly positive evidence that what had been predicted wasn't happening. So. The ones that are left are particularly hardcore, and that tends to be how that happens, right? Yeah, yeah. Mm. Basically, fun stuff. But yeah, mm. I guess so. This is the thing. Let's get to my chapter eight prediction because it sort of relates to mm. what you just said. Basically, I thought that considering the fact that they have caught four of their men, I thought that the remaining group that was attacking, right, out of the nine men, um would come back and try to finish what they started. Hmm. Well, that seems appropriately idiotic, but... <laughs> yeah. I don't think they did, though. <laughs> I'm glad they didn't, but I know that even though... I just have this strange feeling that they will come back. One way or another. Hmm. Okay. So you still think the, the remaining three may at some point in the future be a... Uh, yeah. A callback. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. But yeah, let's get to chapter 8 summary then. Um, so sometime later, the rescued woman woke up. Jodas was automatically attracted to her, watching Nikanj heal, heal her. As it did, Nikanj called out to Jodas and checked if it healed itself properly. When it found no flaws, Jodas asked if it could touch her and help healing her. Jodas just couldn't stop itself from touching the woman. <laughs> Honestly, while I was writing this, I was still <laughs> not sure how to phrase it, but that's what the book will say. Yeah, that seems to be it. Yep. Which, come on, Jodas. It's just the post Me Too era. It's, I, not, uh, <laughs> it's not cool. <laughs> there are only bruises left to heal, so Jodas focused on those. And here's a cut from the book. I hate. This is from Jodas' perspective. I held the female close to me and sunk as many head and body tentacles into her as I could. But I couldn't get over the feeling that I was somehow not close enough to her, not linked deeply enough into her nervous system, that there was something missing. I swear, I'm not mi- making this up. Like, the first paragraph of the chapter 8, and I was like, mm, Jodas, stop please. Yeah, yeah. It's a, an, another kind of um, echo back to that whole thing about the, the relationship between the their biology and their conscious control over it because they have this weird contradiction of quite a lot of control over the biology but then a lot of just complete control by their biology right they just yeah just like they're compelled to act in certain ways uh and it yeah it's it's very uh uh, very strange yeah yeah Mm. 
So, yeah. Of course, there was something missing, and it will be missing until the second metamorphosis. The human flesh, its complexity, the human conflict were irresistible for Jodas. It took time in, he it, in healing her, not hurrying, and not only the touch when Nikanj wanted to check on her. It seems that thanks to her, Jodas started to control its abilities. Nikanj told Jodas that to stay with her, she was a captive and told to get, you know, um, told to get their attention. But when she didn't sound convincing, they beat her up. Basically, that's what mm -hmm. Nikanj told um, to Jodas. The woman started. Mm -hmm. uh, woman seemed to start waking up, so Jodas went to get one of Tino's t-shirts to cover its tentacles and changed its skin complexion to more grey brown, similar to hers, so that it wouldn't scare her. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> interesting tactic <laughs> yeah um i mean to be honest if you can make yourself look more like someone to be more uh acceptable in their eyes mm. Mm. i mean we knew about the camouflage thing but jodas that's supposed to be in protection not in seduction boy mm. yeah come on <laughs> yeah definitely seems to be uh I think it comes up a bit later as well. It's kind of like mirroring her. Yes, 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 yes. To, yeah. Mm. Yeah. So just um, just as Jodas came back, she abruptly woke up in panic. Jodas reassured her that she's safe and no one would hurt her. He, he asked her for her name, but she refused to speak, even though it could tell by the bo by her body language that she understood him. So Jodas went to his pack and just you know get some food and give it to her. And as she was eating, it introduced itself again and asked for her name again. Marina Rivas. She was one of the way. She was one. Uh, she was on the way to go to law, to go to Mars. Interestingly, Jonas noticed that during her examination, she had very narrow hips and wouldn't be able to give birth in that state. Um, she asked. Mm. Well, I mean, Which yeah, is this is this sentence in the. F um, in the summary, makes it is out of place, but also out of place. In the book, but basically in its examination, like she, she actually has some yeah. physical um, hip deformation that, uh, that the canal that usually women in her mm -hmm. age would have would be much wider for, you know, for childbearing. In her case, it's mm -hmm. too narrow to, to properly give birth. And I think that's relevant because she's going to the Mars colony where the humans yes. are breeding. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. So she asked Jodas if she can join them to go to low. Jodas asked if she was one of the people from the village, but no, obviously, when she was passing the village, they took her in, raped her many times, while the women in the village also abused her. Like, honestly, this fucking creme de la creme of the humanity, like, you know. Mm. Um, Jodas asked her where she was originally from, before the war, meaning, and she said from Mania. To her surprise, Jodas knew about Philippines, because some of the Uloi-in-law uh, met people from uh, there trying to get to Mars. Marie then asked if she could go to sleep and called Air to join her because she knew that, you know, Onkali liked touch and she just didn't mind. <laughs> this is the part that I'm always cracks me up a bit. Jodas thinking that it was also an invitation for it, also wanted to join, but she immediately told it no because it looked too much like a man. Ayer yeah, <laughs> conveniently thinking yes. that that was an invitation for him to, or it to, rather. Yeah. Ayer stepped in, though, and said it was not, uh, it is not a man. And also, uh, the insects would not bother her if she allowed it, you know, if they lie down side to side, on each side. She knew that Onkali don't lie, so she allowed Jodas to join. 
<coughs> wink wink, it touched Marina with one of its longest tentacles, <coughs> which scared her, but then uh, let it be, not knowing that Jodas put her to sleep. Mm-hmm. And here's the card from the book, and I never knew how it happened that during the night she moved completely out of contact with Aira and put against me so that I could reach her with most of my head and body and tentacles. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm not I'm writing this. I'm skeptical about that. <laughs> I know, this is literally what the book says. I mean... This feels like a rationalization. Yeah, it really does, right? It just feels like, oh, I don't know what did happen. Like, oh, I need just, you know, she just came close to me and like, "Mm mm-hmm, sure, Jodas, you horned dog. But anyway, as it happened, the next morning, Jodas realized that it altered her pelvis structure. I mean, okay. Uh, Yeah. Uh, yeah, as usual, the the Uloi in particular, not great with consent. <laughs> I mean, to be honest, like, one, somebody just reading that sentence would take it completely in the wrong way, in a really euphemistic way. But also, from the biological perspective, he literally transformed her pelvic bone overnight. Like... That's a lot of work. That's a lot of work. You literally <laughs> need to, like, somehow, like, break the bone or, like, you know, have the osteoclast to, like, break it down and then literally, you know, separate it physically and then, you know, make the osteoblast to start making bone in correct manner. Like, overnight? That's... That's a bit, you know, pulling... Pulling too much on the, real, the realism in there, I think. Mm, I mean, that certainly seems like it would involve quite a lot of um, energy expenditure. <laughs> yes, a lot of energy. Like, you know, mm. you would wake up, like, feeling like as you've run a triathlon three times, mm. probably. A lot of uh, a lot of bonds and various phosphate compounds to break and reform. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We're talking about a lot of ATP, you know, energy being used up for this process and stuff like that. So I cannot imagine, like, that being just like, oh, you know, just, you know, I just, you know, overnight change your pelvic structure. <laughs> I'm sorry, but each time I I read that's like it just. I'm sorry, well, I, my I immature like mind also... is there. It's still wait, it's still there, <laughs> even though I'm 29 <laughs> years old. I, I know what you get now. <laughs> like this also feels like something that you would really notice, right? Especially if if he actually made your pelvis wider, right? That would change your gait quite and, a lot. Yeah, exactly. Like, you'd, you'd be like, I I can't walk right now. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> not not in a, a a weird way, but in in a uh, like. There's a physical difference in my... <laughs> exactly, exactly. Uh, no, the, yeah. Even though it's like a bit, like, I mean, it probably would take not far, not uh, long to, to adjust, right? Because our bodies adjust yeah. very quickly. But like the first few steps would be like, the hell is going on? Why am I feeling so wide, right? Just yeah. why do we have a dump truck of an ass right now? What, what have you done, Jodas? <laughs> but yes, um, sh- now she could have children without any danger. Um, but while Jodas woke up, Nikanji and Agnes were already cooking porridge with nuts. Not only the wild ones, but also probably ones we've synthesized from Agnes' body. This is another crazy thing, right? Like, the, the, the nut porridge, like, you know, nuts synthesized from Agnes' body. That's another energy expenditure that, you no, know, just to eat it again? Mm. Well, I suppose it's to give the, the nutrients to the humans, right? That's the... Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, the reason to transform it into some porridge but yeah this is another one of those like lying by emission things that the Owen Carly do it's just like oh no I have this 
porridge gland that I'm just producing porridge from. <laughs> Not porridge, yes. Um, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, oh, yeah. I, generally, this chapter is just, I don't know, Octavia was like either having a mood of like for euphemisms or just, just thought that it's just going to be hilarious for people in the future just read it and just like still highlighting their immature minds. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of stuff here, which, which I mean, it, it comes across as to be like it's it's red straight, right? You don't <laughs> the, the the double entendre is like quite subtle, but it's definitely like very strongly there. In the yeah, background. definitely. Uh, no, but uh, yeah, the, this whole um, yeah, I, I can see why in this case, like the Owen Carly are not telling the humans how they make this porridge. Yeah. I mean, the, we know that in the book it says that uh, the humans that lived on Kali are like, you know, this is just part of law. The, the law is the same thing. But the other mm. humans, there is, I can understand why you would not want to touch that. That just sounds that's one weird. Of those, uh, yeah, it's, it's one of those you got to get used to it things. It's like, I don't know, eating insects or something. It's, uh, <laughs> it's uh, going to be weird for some people. For yeah, yeah. I, yeah. It, it is weird. I mean, you know. Um, but yeah, so you know, Nikan seeing Jodas awake, went to check on Marina, found no problem with her. It also realized that Jodas wants her, but her age was similar to Lilith, so she was too old. Um, mm-hmm. that still sounds so wrong. Like, I mean, Lilith's age, we estimate is around 100 years old, right? Based on all yeah, the uh, time span, like we're talking about within the, uh, uh, like around century, right? Mm-hmm. But we know that they expanded like their uh, lifespan for another like at least hundred something years. Mm-hmm. So how, what are you talking about here, boy? Like it's it's she's not that old, considering the fact that you literally double her age span. Yeah, it's a bit of a weird uh, weird dynamic when it comes to age and relationships in the whole Orancali world, especially because there's like different lifespans for the different like morphs and it's yeah. all yeah, it's a strange thing. But the I suppose the the thing that um like the reason why uh that they're um concerned about her age would be that it seems as though the Uloi's lifespan is in some way like tied to that of their mates. Um this, there was this quote then I would live only as long as I could keep her alive. Mm. Right. So, if she lives another hundred years, then he would only, or it would only live another hundred years or so. Um, but its normal lifespan would be a little more than five hundred. So, I, I can kind of see why, but yeah. I mean, to be fair, the question is now whether you know, like um, now having the Uloi construct, there is male and female constructs. Like, wouldn't it go back to the normal sort of, like, three-member family type of thing? Mm-hmm. Right? I think eventually, yeah, yeah. Because, I mean, yeah, like, eventually, because eventually all the humans will be either taken or die off or will be on Mars. So I yeah. think it will go back to the three-part, you know, three-member party. Mm-hmm. So technically, you know, if they could live for more than 500 years if uh, because the constructs will probably live for that long. Yes, yes. Although, um, like this woman is a a human woman on a construct. Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah. obviously, the, obviously. The the bottleneck. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, well, as soon as they've uh, kind of made the transition over to basically everyone being a construct apart from the Mars colony, then 
yeah, the back to their kind of normal lifespans. Although it does also imply that uh, maybe Nakanj gave up some uh, lifespan in order to be uh, mated with uh, Lilith. Yeah, potentially, I guess so. Mm. But yeah, Marina woke up, so they gave her food. Uh, then they took the men, made themselves, made them, and them, uh, washed themselves in the river um, as well, you know, themselves, and then started swimming for a bit. For Jodas, was first time to breathe underwater. Marina called out mm. to him to it. Sorry, I keep saying because it's yeah, I, I keep doing that too. <laughs> um, still wearing, uh, you know, it was still wearing clothes while Jodas was swimming without pants, and to her surprise, it really didn't have any genitals. But they came out of the river and Marina told Jodas that they didn't need to wear it clothes if they didn't like it. You know, Jodas was wearing them because it didn't want to scare her with the tentacles. Um, mm. And eventually the conversation led to the fact that Jodas is an Uloi, not a man. Here's a bit from the book. No wonder I had dreams about you last night. Oh, did you like them? Of course I liked them. I liked you. I sh- and I shouldn't have. You look too male. Nothing male should have been appealing to me last night after what those bastards did to me. Nothing male should be appearing for me to for a long, long time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the uh, the whole like pheromone and chemical yeah, control that, stuff. Yeah, the Uloi is just Uloi like, have. Yeah, yeah, oh, I like you, you know, you're mine, le- release hormones, you know, nobody can touch you, otherwise you die type of thing. The good old stuff, right? Yep. Um, yep, the whole possessive thing and the like mind control Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yep. Uh, you know, gives you another meaning of consent. Uh, yeah, I mean, it it gets like it 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 it's another one of those ones where like Octavia really likes to like push quite hard on those intuitions and make them go a bit weird, right? Yeah. Because it's, it's the like physiologically, you want to engage with the Uloi, but like prior to them having influenced you. <laughs> You wouldn't. Exactly, exactly. The, the whole yeah. idea that um, being afraid of, like, you know, that drug, that's what happened to um, Gabe and Tate, right? Yep, yep. They loved the contact with... Uh, what's this ass- what the asshole name? Uh, Kaguya. Kaguya, that's right. Kaguya. Uh, I'm loved <laughs> that you know exactly. Uh, with Kaguya, but then, obviously, it was like being drugged, right? They, they hated that, that mm. feeling, so... Yeah, yeah, it's the the fact that in in retrospect they're able to to see that as not having been consensual as well. Which yeah, is, yeah, it's uh, it, it's odd because they, uh, that seems to differ a little bit between people, right? Because the, uh, well, Lilith and um, Joseph yeah. kind of decided to continue to engage with them afterwards, even though they, you know, wouldn't have necessarily consented in advance. It's all—it's all very, yeah, it's, it's all very messy, and 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 uh, yeah, but but yeah, it definitely leans on the side of very much not consensual. No, absolutely, absolutely, it, yeah. it really does, and that's that's the biggest mm-hmm. you know issue here because mm-hmm. nobody really could tell, uh, you know, like. The consent is technically there, but you can't because you're literally, they read your body, that your body wants it because they release the pheromones. And it's just like, yeah, just because my body, you know, just my body has an erection doesn't mean that I actually will go on with that erection, right? That's that's the difference. Mm-hmm. But, yep. you know. Yep. They don't quite seem to grasp that that 
distinction between like the physical and the psychological willingness to engage yeah. which yeah, yeah. Mm. so yeah Jolas told her that she's healed that it healed her fertility right that you know that um uh that, you know the pelvic structure has been fixed um because she mentions to her to to it that you know that her mother had to have the cesarean uh, down to her to to give birth to her and you know um so that that's why i think it was uh i think it was actually that she died in in childbirth having uh, yes not got a cesarean right yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. if she yeah, yeah yeah sorry yes but that that's yeah so um so she will uh, so now she's fine but she'll need to allow an adult lawyer to fix her genes to allow her daughters to have you know the pelvic region expanded correctly for childbearing right mm. um but she was against it, wanting Jodas or someone like it to do it. But Jodas, you know, said it was one in a kind. And the uh, chapter ends with this quote. You're beautiful, you know. You shouldn't be, but you are. You remind me of a man I knew once. She sighed again. Damn. I mean, honestly, you can tell there's a serious chemistry between them. But that's because Jodas is just like releasing pheromones like yeah, crazy. It's, it's, it's like literal chemistry. <laughs> yes, yeah, literally chemistry. Uh-huh. Yeah. Oh dear, no. It's 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 it's, it's mm. quite interesting, like uh, how how. Although, mm? Mm, go ahead. No, no, no. I was just saying it's this is quite crazy, like how uh, strong that pull is, right? Like we we've just t- talked about this before, but it's just it still mm. blows my mind, right? Yeah, it completely kind of overwhelms the the normal human, like. Yeah, aversion to the Uloi, yeah. which would you know make sense, right? Given the kind of alienness of them, but mm. still, yeah. Mm. And it's, it's interesting that um, uh, that uh, Marina, yeah, Marina, uh, that, that Marina is is was among the resistors uh, at all, really, to some degree, right? Because she's, I mean, not, not this group, because she was, she, you know, they yeah. caught her while she was passing by, but she was in another resistor village, um, and yet she's. Uh, even before she's had much influence from uh, Jordas, she's willing to, you know, uh, like lie down in the company of uh, Aeor and uh, is not seemingly like super disturbed, uh, at least as of yet, in her somewhat influenced state by the fact that Jordas has been, you know, messing with her pelvis and. Uh, is you know offering to I mean as usual when it comes to the genetic interventions there's, there's always like a really solid reason of there's some really problematic hereditary condition yeah. that we can fix for you so like the 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 sort of moral grayness of accepting it and like the I resist the ideology of not being you know influenced by the genetics of the Orancali or whatever is is in conflict but you know when there's actually a genetic disease on the line, compromise kind of makes sense. So it's yeah, it's a typically uh, complicated, multifaceted, impossible to really reasonably disentangle no, set of decisions. You're absolutely right. Yeah. And the thing is, like, this is interesting because she mentioned that that like the reason why you know having children would be great, right? But like hmm. her, uh, but she she hates the idea of like Don Kali that that sort of feeling drugged feeling right mm. and but yes she 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 seems to be very understanding of uh of the you know the fact that the uh, onkali need that physical touch 
And it's not even like in any sexual way, obviously. It's more of like, mm. I want to feel the genes in your body, which is, I don't know, like in a way when I think about mm. it, like oh, it's not much more of an issue. It's just some like DNA because, I mean, we've extracted DNA even in high school, right, from strawberries or whatever. But like in the meantime, that's the most private thing. Like... Yeah, it's it's incredibly intimate. Yeah, like it's uh, the most intimate yeah. thing you could even think of, right? Like uh, probably mm. except for your memories. Mm. And but it's, at the same time, it doesn't feel like like it, right? Because it's so like you know intangible for us, unless you know. Yeah, I mean, we but there's no evolutionary context for us to have an intuition about that. Yeah, right? <laughs> there's there's nothing in our environment of evolutionary adaptiveness that had the capacity to perceive our genes so we don't have we don't have a pre-programmed way to feel about that yeah i mean there are a few things that like you know we we can sort of tell by sort of smell that oh this could be a potential partner right because their you know Mm. body uh odor if you can call it like is attractive to us whatever or like in just general like there there is some pheromones obviously in the in the uh involved but i don't think as much as obviously in Zankali, and as you said, like the, the, there is no um, perception of genes, right? Like y- y- we can't mm. really tell, like, oh, yes, this this part, this this woman or this man could be a great partner because they have great genes, right? Like you know, they may look you know physically attractive to us. That's probably enough mm. for us as it is. But like, oh yeah, we don't we know if we can't tell, like, if they have any like hereditary disease illnesses that would potentially affect our offsprings because we can't tell right so mm. we have to use indirect um you know heuristics to kind yeah. of try and guesstimate that stuff yeah yep. so it's, Whereas... it's it's pretty for, like interesting that like the fact that you know like it's something so intimate as the our dna composition we, mm. it's just like oh well, yeah whatever but in the same time it yeah. just blows my mind when i think about it, like yeah this is probably the most intimate thing you think no anybody mm. could probably do except for like maybe digging through my memories right mm. i mean it feels like the sort of thing that would generate the intuition of of, of like as much violation as as like being sexually assaulted or something right yeah. it, it, it feels like it should have that kind of intuitive association with it if you kind of thought it through or just like what it means for you to to engage that intimately with someone who has this perceptual ability right that's yeah. the sort of valence that should be attached to it but it, we but we've never encountered it so we don't have that calibrated as the way to react so it's yeah and that's but, the yeah, thing like uh, it's it's crazy and the thing is mm-hmm. like obviously for now for the time being it's still fine but like mm-hmm. for us like in future potentially it would be quite serious issue right because of how technology is progressing and in the future like the question is how can it be abused right how that knowledge mm-hmm. can be abused i mean already you know cameras everywhere you know your face is you know your gait being recognized you know stuff like that so that those are the things that we don't think about and already enough to identify who you are and where you are right um and uh, what medical conditions you might have and, and so on but, yeah, yeah but that's mm-hmm. the thing like you know in future it could be that you no know, like in um gataka like you know your dna sequence being uh yeah, checked uh, and some interesting stuff with that that already in environmental dna monitoring right so you know they they do um dna analysis in like runoff water in in the rivers and stuff yeah. to, to check on things like i mean they, they can estimate you know like uh, covid infection frequencies mm-hmm. and stuff from from the amount of uh, uh 
COVID uh, uh, genes that pop up in the the water affluent, uh, and there's a whole bunch of uh, stuff like that where you can you could potentially um, like track down individuals. Yeah. Right? So you could you could look out for ident- uniquely identifying flags for particular individuals in water flow, and then say, okay, whoever the, the person we're looking for is upstream of of this location. Yes, yeah, it's, as a, it's as a surveillance measure. It's pretty mm. crazy, and then you know, and Gattaca, like he was mentioning, like um, you know, the fact that the like the DNA, the, the genetic um code of our bodies, like you could tell basically, you know, luckily we don't have this in UK, but in America, where insurance is a big thing, you know, private insurance, like if they can check your sequence and then tell, oh yeah, you have predisposition for this and this, and will increase your insurance costs for because of that. Just blows my mind, like you know right. the fact that you know, like you you know, instead of well, everywhere in the world, it's called a uh, you know uh, health history, like medical history, and in you in America, for example, it's called pre-existing conditions, right? No, no, it's just like well, whatever, like it's still a ca- it's like a serious problem, right? If it's abused, hmm. I think that this I I forget exactly what the legal situation is, but supposedly there's some protections against that being used for insurance stuff, but. But, uh, yes, yeah, you wait. Still... Just you wait. Yeah, with the things are going it's the tenuous moment, at best. Yeah, like the, the things <laughs> are going now in America. I'm just waiting for the stuff to be like incorporate, like insurance. Be like, yeah, we we have to know everything about it. Like, have access to your memories, because maybe you did something, and they have to like, yeah. I was just like, okay, cool. Yeah, that's uh, yeah. We, we we got kind of off on a tangent oh, yeah. about data privacy. <laughs> I, I mean, you know, there has to be a tangent in every episode. Come on, like that's. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> gotta have at least one but yeah um, so let's go back to chapter nine bring it back prediction yeah. yeah so i thought we were back in low but you know the congregation of Donkali comes to say t- to jadas that it needs to go to the exile on the ship because it's too dangerous right i mean hmm. part two is called exile i thought oh they're gonna like you know based on the story things are too dangerous Obviously, they can't stay on Earth like uh, go on an Earth journey because obviously the resistors are crazy. Those that state, so Jodas, you're coming to the ship. Okay, yeah, yeah, I could definitely see that being a a, a sensible thing to predict. It doesn't seem to be the way they went. No, but, no, it uh, didn't. Like they literally, yeah. like okay, <laughs> let's have a sleep. Off we go again on the journey. Like, cool, <laughs> okay. I see no, your. That seems like the uh, the Owen Carly consensus has not yet uh, decided to take more decisive action yeah. at this point. So yeah, chapter nine. We're back in low, baby. The drug prisoners were put in the house, grown especially for them. They would not allow them to leave. Then they would be taken uh, when the next shuttle comes to the ship, with an alloy constantly dragging them so they don't do anything stupid. Simultaneously. Jodas took Marina to the guest area for Niganj to check her. It didn't want, though, because Jodas left too much of its scent on her. <laughs> I swear. Before Jodas left, she kissed him, and it liked it, seemingly having pleasure from the brief contact, even though technically an Uloi, as in premature Uloi, it shouldn't <laughs> give pleasure with the physical contact, like, you know, because it did connect with her. Um <laughs> Jodha said to her that it will send someone to change her genetically and she wouldn't, shouldn't be afraid. It went then asked Tekorax to, to check on her. It was waiting for Jodas with Ray Ordway, the only uh, one f- from few people who spoke for Jodas against its exile. 
They noticed that Jodas liked Marina and vice versa. Tekorax asked Jodas if it can check it before they go, because the woman will not want to have anything to do with them because Jodas left too much scent on her, right? They're all good mm -hmm. vermin uh, spray. To its surprise, Jodas felt much more in control now, nothing wrong with its body. And if Jodas' memories were correct, there shouldn't be anything wrong with Marina except for the, her genetic predisposition. They also noticed that Jodas' body was more brown than before. It seemed the reason was because of Marina. Hmm. Yep. <laughs> uh, interestingly, uh, plastic uh, Jodas seems to be right, able to to change itself quite a lot. Like Yoda, you just sounded there. <laughs> the, the structure of the, your sentence, but yeah, you're absolutely right. Like the um, the idea, of fact that you know we knew it from the like the few chapters ago that Nikanj told Jodas, like, yeah, you will be able to modify your body like no one Kali before. And mm. it literally does already straight away. So yeah, yeah, mm. yeah. It's a, it gets to another sort of interestingly uh, questionable ethical area of can can Jodos like just completely look human at this point and go around impersonating a human pretending to be. Human? I mean, to be fair, like at this point, <laughs> I thought to myself, yeah. like you know, this in Harry Potter, the polymorph juice, right? Like you mm, know, yeah. I'm sure there is a the black market for uh, people like celebrity nails in the hair so that you can have celebrity sex. Here is the same thing, right? Like, you know, and all I construct, like, yeah, you won't have a quick go with whenever. I can be whoever you want, baby. Type of thing. <laughs> uh, yeah, although it doesn't even really need it because... Because pheromones. the whole, like, magic pheromones yeah, exactly. thing. So, yeah. Oh, dear. And this is where the chapter ends, and it's really funny because... The chapter ends here with the family gathering new supplies and leaving law for the second time. Although they sleep one more night in their family house, and it seems to the fact that Jodas feeling lonely, it gave foul smelling sores to Ayer, who was sleeping with it, law, and itself. I mean, <clears throat> it's just like, yeah, man is obviously, you know, blue bald. So it's just like, you know, I'm feeling angry, so I'm just gonna give foul you know smelling source to everyone around me it's just like cool yeah seems like you know was just feeling in control and then not so much yeah <laughs> the, the the mood is uh, uh affecting its its uh Owen Kali abilities um and what what it gets up to unconsciously when it's yeah uh, so, and i mentioned that like consciously i think control. two chapters ago that like you know, or through, or more like that, it must have been something mm. affecting it by a mood, right? Like whenever Jodas mm. was feeling like scared or um, not in control, obviously you no know, law mm. was becoming like the the, the place you uh, it was lying on, like became like dying and stuff like that. It's it obviously is mm. affected by its mood, which is funny because it just sort of shows that like Octavia Butler thinks of humans like yeah, it's they're moody assholes. So the moment they don't like something, they're not in full control of their uh, mood. Things can go, mm -hmm. you know, sideways. Yeah, and the same thing with the uh, the Oankali to a significant degree, right? They're uh, uh, quite like us in that regard. <laughs> it's just that they have a bit more power to mess things up. Yes, when, they, <laughs> when they're in a bad mood. Yeah, no. but it's kind of um, there's a bit of an inevitability to that kind of unconscious component of the process, right? Because you're not going to be 
system two thinking your way through all the explicit details of like genetically manipulating mm-hmm. a whole bunch of different cells right that's that's too much like compute right you're going to have to push some of that stuff off onto habitually acquired low level system one processes right it's just you, you do it without even thinking about it um which means you can do it unconsciously if you're not paying attention. Yeah, <laughs> but the thing is, that's what uh, that's why Nikanj warned Jodas that no matter what it does, it cannot mm-hmm. for even a millisecond lose um, mm. focus on what it's doing when it's connected yeah. to another being, right? Because mm-hmm. that that's what like happens. Because the moment Jodas get distracted or something goes onto its mind, mm-hmm. it, as you said, it because of the unconscious control it can do something wrong. Like, just because its body wants something, in this case, mm-hmm. it was just feeling frustrated because it couldn't satisfy itself sexually. It was in a foul mood, and the foul mood basically became foul-smelling source, so... Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. That's, uh... <laughs> That's a, a, an, an interesting expression of mood. Right? Honestly, like, can <laughs> I'm, you imagine? Like, I'm glad that doesn't happen to me. Oh my god! Like, <laughs> honestly, can you imagine? Like, if your body physically mm-hmm. showed how you feel, like, you know, like today you feel great and everything, and the next day, like, you know, we had a bad day, and you just feel like, you know, and it literally physically shows, just like, yeah. Uh, and I suppose maybe that might be a good thing. <laughs> maybe. It's just like, oh, he's obviously in a bad mood. I'll leave him alone. <laughs> oh my god! Uh, it's just like, yeah. That's another one of those uh, um, oddities of Orancali culture, right? They have this kind of truth-telling by necessity thing because they can't really conceal much of of uh, their internal states. Exactly. It's so linked to their biology. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I guess that's it on those parts. Um, should we go to my chapter one of the part two prediction? Sure. So, obviously I was wrong. There's gonna be no exile on the ship, but on Earth again. But this time mm-hmm. they're gonna go further away from all the resistors. Like, come on, like they're just gonna be like complete different direction to where that resistor village was. Let's just mm-hmm. go somewhere that definitely there's gonna be no humans. Like, I mean, that would have to be the logical, you know, um, you know, choice, right? Mm-hmm. There's a village here, there's a village here. Down there, there's nothing. We go down there, right? Like, type of thing. Okay, yeah. So just, they're going to head to somewhere that's going to be a lot more remote yes. than where they were trying to go before. Yes, yes. But, obviously, obviously, we can already tell that, you know, Jodas being like, God, I need to get laid. The, the moment any human will arrive... It's gonna be a disaster. Mm, yeah, that's, that certainly seems likely. Although it's, I mean, technically still in this, um, you know, between metamorphosis states. Yeah, so that, that not, doesn't uh, matter. You can already tell. It's just yeah. like, yeah, it doesn't matter. Metamorphosis or not, I want to get laid. Type of behavior. Yeah. It's very human. I forget which. Um, oh, and Carly said it, but yeah, the. He, I think they, they described it as uh, sexually precocious. <laughs> uh, that was Ray actually said that. Does like oh, Ray, Ray said okay. it to, her, yeah, yeah, to it Ray. because obviously mm. they could tell that he he could tell that you know Marina liked Jodas and vice versa mm. and you know Tech um, Techras was like yeah she smells like you I'm not going anywhere here near her because of the uh, obviously the mm-hmm. chemical you know biochemical changes that you've done because of the presence of the being present of an Uloi. 
um mm-hmm. but obviously it's it's yeah. because of the uh it was ray who said it's like yeah you it's it's a very um human-like behavior yeah we saw the same thing with the keen right it was yes uh, uh, oh, Akin was stuff before <laughs> Akin was a child like just you know journeying to human villages and be like you know you're a small king basically type of behavior like meter 60 tall but you know all the women were her were his type of behavior mm. yep another of those uh uh various Owen Kali uh, appeal tricks. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> mm. So yeah, I guess that's, that's it for today, you know? Uh, yeah, I think so. That pretty much wraps it up. Awesome. Thank you very much, everyone, for listening. We are Xenothesis. You can find all the places we upload our podcast on xenothesis.com. I was Michael Glinka. And I was Richard Acton. Goodbye. Bye. Chapters seven, eight, and nine. Episode fifty-seven. Episode fifty-seven, and we're uh, part one still. uh, Yeah. Metamorphosis of Imago. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Gotta remember all the things. Oh God, I know. Uh, Right.